Hey, husband. Yes, wife. How do you organize a space party? How? You plan it. Wow. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Random's Thoughts. I'm wife, and this is husband, and today we are going to talk a little bit about the meta, but first we are going to remind you, wonderful people, that we have a new website. It is randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. That is randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. Link in the description. Feel free to check it out. It's kind of as random as these podcasts. We have a few articles up and we're trying to get them up on a regular schedule, both about WoW and other subjects that we're interested in, primarily gaming related, but it's not necessarily going to stick to that. We're going to use the website moving forward to try and also post up some of the more in-depth things that are difficult to do over a uh, audio medium such as decklist. You probably don't want to sit there listening to us rattle off card lists, so we'll break the relevant parts down here in the podcast like we're going to do in a few minutes, but we're going to put the actual lists up on the website. So for those of you who haven't heard, it was just announced that there will be an event at Gen Con 2017 for the WoW TCG. We are very excited, and because of this excitement, both for Gen Con, but primarily for WoW at Gen Con, we have decided that we are going to discuss the meta, specifically as pertaining to the classic events that have been held in the past, and which decks were able to kind of hold their own and do well in those events. Now, as many of you are well aware, there really isn't a whole lot of data to pull from, from for this. So we're really looking at the, mo the three most recent events, that is the two Metamart events and then last year's Gen Con. So the two Metamart events actually go back a while now, although there haven't really been, obviously, any new cards added to the game. It has been some time, and everybody's had a lot more time to think about all the different things that are viable. So... What we did is we basically crunched some numbers, took a whole lot of extensive research and blood and sweat and tears and really just Googling until we found a place that actually had the deck list. So, so like 20 minutes. It was a little bit longer than that, but yeah, essentially. five minutes. And uh, we ended up printing them out and then just doing the very basic stuff. So assigning things into categories, figuring out you know which builds actually were popular. And then also we can speculate on what we think might possibly be popular coming up, though I think both husband and I would agree at this point people like to play what they like to play, and it doesn't always matter if it's good. Yeah, that's pretty much the case, because I know I definitely fall into that category. So let's jump over to our first segment where we're going to talk about, well, what information do we already have? All right, welcome back, and we, as we said before, there were three events. The first two were Metamart events, so they caught the top eight. So we have a few more archetypes that we can review, but basically I'm going to run down all of them across the three events, and then we're going to talk about how many people hit that final cutoff with each type. 
So basically, we had Vorix, Zorbuzz, which if you're not familiar with it, it's a rogue deck built around Seal Fate. We have a variety of unholy power-based builds, which is an old Drums of War ongoing ability that gives demons in your party plus three, plus three. There were a few Control Mage variants, which I separated out from Slow Mage, which also showed up. Although they are all on the heavier control end, obviously Slow Mage focuses around the card slow. Some of the other decks are Werewolves, which is a blue aberration hunter. We also have um, Midrange Warlock was in both the Metamart events. Um, Winter Wondervolt was in uh, one of the Metamart events. However, it was banned last year, as we discussed in a previous podcast, and I'm hoping it is likely to be banned this year. And, of course, we have Bagmara, my love of my life, which uh, went into top four at Gen Con last year. And also a red priest that, unfortunately, neither husband nor I really remember what was in it. So, hopefully, some of you who are listening can remember what was in Red Priest. Was it one of the Kentucky guys that was it? was one it? of the Kentucky guys. I'm going to go out on a limb and assume it was Searing Light, but without having seen the deck actually played, I who knows? It could, be, could have been anything. And Wife and... This individual end up splitting in the finals, so they didn't actually play the games out. Yeah, and I have the memory of a goldfish at the best of times, so that's another problem. And the last deck that top forward was Jasani, which is the Druid Hunter dual hero. It actually was a build that I had played at Worlds 2013, obviously not in the main event, but in side events, were very similar to that build. I was not the one playing it. I think it was also another one of the Kentucky guys. I believe it was one of the Kentucky guys. Could yeah. be wrong on that, but it was a you know great minds think alike, I guess. And uh, we weren't. I didn't know the guy playing it before the event, but his list was very very similar. Basically, it lets you play Control Mage from a Druid Hunter shell because just about everything in your deck is instant, and then you can plan assault targeting some stuff like traps or innervate and do it all at the end of your opponent's turn and then you finish the game using nether breath spellblade to recur legacy of the legion a whole bunch of times or hilariously enough i don't know if he was running it in his version but you can run kelthus hut because it only requires a hunter hero which is kind of funny coming out of a dryad but it is what it is a little lichling so the three most popular decks at our limited... Uh, well, to clarify, most popular being the most populous in the cutoff rounds. Yes, so the three decks that have made it to top eight or top four um, the most times were Unholy Power, which had three, Control Mage, which also had three, and then werewolves, that blue aberration hunter, that had four. So three werewolves had one representation at Gen Con, and then three at the Metamarts. Now you could, again, lump Slow Mage in with the Control Mage, and then it's tied with the werewolf build. I think that it, the signature card Slow is enough to separate it from the pack a little bit. 
I think also, like, the playing of it is a little bit... You don't go at it the same way you do. Yeah, there, there definitely is a slightly different play pattern. They are very similar, but it's notably different in how you also have to play against it, I feel. Now, personally, wife and I, in our own testing and our own discussions, feel that the Tyrus Blackhorn decks, the actual demon hero decks that utilize on Holy Power, as compared to the Victor Baltus version that uses Super Simeon Sphere, are... Maybe not far and away, but decidedly the best deck with the bands in place, at least as far as we know. There's obviously the opportunity that there's something lurking out there that people aren't aware of. Maybe some, some of our listeners might have some interesting ideas they could put forth. But as of right now, we both feel that the Tyrus deck is the bar that you have to measure against. If you can't stand up to this deck competitively, I don't think you can play whatever you're suggesting. Yes, there are also, I think it's a good idea to say, um, there is a slower version of Tyrus that we oh, saw. Oh, there's a number of Yeah, versions. there's there's like mm-hmm. 90 versions of the Tyrus deck if you really get down to it. But um, I would say the faster and more control of the board version is the one that yeah, you the, need to be. In ours, we don't typically run Curse of Midnight, the one that flips a hero that you could play it on yourself and then activate Tyrus's flip immediately. The reason for that is, well, right now there are a lot of unknowns. There are a lot of variables. And in those sort of metas has always been my experience and kind of the rule of thumb that you want to play something more aggressive. The more proactive you are at this point, the better off you'll likely to be. Not necessarily that that guarantees anything, but if you present threats and your opponent's ill-prepared for those threats, well, you're going to likely win, as compared to if you have a handful of answers and they don't quite line up perfectly, well, you're up a creek. So in our opinion, the version without Curse of Midnight, because that card could often be dead in some matchups, or just makes your draws super clunky in certain matchups or even all matchups depending on how it shakes out. I recall playing someone in Gen Con last year that ended up passing turn one, Curse of Midnighting themselves turn two, playing like Dreadsteed on turn three, and at that point, I mean, the game was basically over because they weren't pressuring me at all. I was playing a control deck. I had a handful of removal drawing a whole bunch of cards. If you're not pressuring people, if you're not doing anything, most decks in this format will make you feel the pain very quickly. Yeah, and they're obviously because we have such a small amount to draw on, I think most people are coming into it with the same idea we are of it's pretty good to put the pressure on early. And I think that is kind of becoming one of the new standards. Yeah, I mean, it's the way most card games start out when a new set comes out, a new format turns over, whatever the case may be. The aggressive decks rise to the top very quickly until people start to get better acclimated to it. For the purposes of WoW, it's going to be tough because, I mean, if we have another 16-person event or even, you know, if we get lucky, fill up the event. I think it's 32 this year. I think that's what I saw. Uh, 
if we get lucky, get that many, or if there come are more people hanging Gen out. Con. Yeah, definitely come out if you have the chance. Even if you don't get to play, just come and hang out. I know wife and I are going to be looking for pickup games on the side anyway. But And Indianapolis is actually a fun place to be. Don't, you know, be intimidated by the fact that it's in Indiana. <laughs> so, uh, it, like I was saying, the, the aggressive decks will rise to the top until people figure out exactly how much response they need at what times, that sort of thing. Now, you do have outliers such as Bagmara that are lightning fast, and they're dumping their whole hand on the board very quickly. However, things like the Werewolf Aberration Hunter is not slow, but slower, but it can still put a hurt on you really quick. That being said, there there is a variety even within these numbers. So... There's only 20 decks that we have here, 8, 8, and 4. But you have a bunch of mid-range things in the... Or aggro to mid-range in the Unholy Power builds. You have a pseudo-burn deck in the Vorix builds. You have the really late-game control decks in the Mages. You have the mid-range Warlocks. I mean, the combo was Winter Wondervolt, but that one's out the window. And then again, you have the Lightning Fast aggro and Bogmara, the Red Priest, which... Assuming it's Searing Light, personally, I would say probably mid-range. And then Jasani, which is also a control deck. So, what does this tell us? Like, Great, we have a bunch of information. And we do have some other anecdotal things from what we played against at Gen Con. I know uh, my first round opponent was playing a Red Druid. And as soon as I sat down, I thought he was playing Boomkin. It turns out, no, he's playing Earth and Moon and all nature allies. Combined with Mazukan and... Although I was able to win, I was definitely on the ropes for a significant portion of the match. So you can definitely catch your opponent off guard by bringing something unexpected. There are enough cards that are strong in Classic, in the game as a whole. And there are plenty of cards that the power level is high enough that you could steal games. You can turn games around just by catching your opponent off guard once. I also had that happen with the Jasani deck. Um, it was kind of one of those, I knew it was coming, but it played off a little differently than um, our version of the Jasani deck. So I just couldn't draw what I needed, and I lost my, um, I lost my balance there for a while. And ended up losing the first game and then going for the next two because I finally figured out what I was supposed to do. Now, in our testing, a lot of, unfortunately, just due to time constraints, and although this is way out from Gen Con and we're super excited, real life has a way to, you know, kind of mess up the best laid plans. We're going to try testing because we want, well, hey, we just want to play the game for the sake of it. But, you know, we want to go in prepared. And our game plan moving forward for the podcast is maybe not every podcast between now and then, but we're going to try and update people on what we're finding, share some ideas, because, let's be honest, we're not playing for world's money here. No. You know, we're not... It, it, I guess it's the world the championship. I say it's point. pride. Yeah. And I mean, pride is a good motivator. But at the same case. time, it's fun to share ideas, and I think it would be better if the discussion is more open. So... For the rest of this podcast in particular, as I said, in the future ones, we're going to go into more detail, but we're going to go into a little bit about why we think Tyrus is the best deck right now, 
and then what we would want to see or what we're looking for as we're testing stuff to try and find what then we might be playing. Well, what I might be playing. We already know wife is going to play Bogmara. Hey, hey, testing yesterday seriously tested my faith in Bogmara. Not that I, she didn't do awesome. It's just I found another deck that I like as well. <laughs> yeah, we probably have, and wife can attest to this, literally 30 decks built. No, 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 no. We don't have 30 decks built. We have minimally 60 decks That's built. That's not even true. No, you have definitely forgotten of at least one of the boxes of decks built. We don't have sleeves built. to build 60 decks. We, have a, we had a 1,500 box filled with sleeves that is now empty. It wasn't 100% filled. It was one. It was filled. Anyway, we digress enough. We have a lot of stuff built. Now, Some let's be fair. Some of them are crap. Yeah, let's be fair. I tried for months last year to make Medivh the Prophet dot deck work. And let me be the first to tell you, it doesn't work. Bogmara wrecks its nonsense. Well, no, no, even aside well, no, from Bogmara. Hezriana wrecks Yeah, nonsense. so if you're not familiar, Medivh is a more recent master hero. He costs five. He's a one arcane damage, I believe, and 30 health. So right off the bat, okay, you get a health buff, but unless you're a mage... It's really not that much. And in fact, if you're playing, say, Deathbringer Korush, the Ogre Death Knight, it's actually a health downgrade by two. Yep. If you're playing most other heroes, it's probably a three, two or three health upgrade, so almost negligible. But he has a power where it's pay eight, search your deck and or hand for a master hero and put it into play as an ally. It no longer counts as a hero, which sounds awesome. Because it's like, okay, well, I'm going to ramp into Medivh. And then I'm going to rip out Thrall, the Earthwater, and slam him on the board. Or Deathwing, or the Lich King, or you could, because it's classic, play a traitor and go get Illidan. Be super awesome, except for the fact that they're allies, and then now if your opponent has Rihanna's it, you're going to have a bad day. Yeah, I think we played it, and I Hezrianid uh, Deathwing, and that was nice for me. Yeah, that was and a super feel-bad moment. And then I Hezrianid Jasani, which was also a nice moment Jasani's for me. Jasani's not a master hero. You mean er, Ysera? Ysera, the dreamer chick. Yeah. So it, it's one of those that sounds super cool, but it's even if you live the dream, your opponent can just ruin it. So, long story short, Medivh got crossed off our list for this year. I'm not even really going to bother testing it. That being said, the list of stuff to test is huge. And a lot of them I'm going to have to play just to get familiar with the deck again. So, for example, the mage decks. They're involved and have a lot of decisions. They really do. I, I think my first deck was a mage deck. Or if it wasn't my... It was my first, like time playing a game since I played Magic in high school of being handed a deck and saying go and I think I only played it for one day so I don't even really count it as my deck and there is so much going on in any mage deck and you really need to know how things play off each other with mage decks a lot more so I feel though well it's not to say that the aggro decks don't so a lot of mage decks especially these the control mages and the slow mages obviously utilize interrupts. So you need to know what are the important things your opponents are going to play and when so that you can leave the appropriate amount of resources up in order to try and interrupt them. 
that isn't to say that the aggro decks don't need to know similar things. For example, you need to know what removal is potentially at your opponent's disposal. What turn will they probably have a sweeper? So, for example, you're playing against Vorix, and let's say you're playing werewolves. Me as the werewolf player, or excuse me, you as the werewolf player, me playing Vorix, you need to know that I have access to Poison the Well. I have access to Overkill. I have access to Kidney Shot or Carnage or all of these various things that could come into play and you need to not overextend but still apply enough pressure that I don't have all day to just burn you out. That, I think, was one of my biggest lessons in WoW ever was that there is an idea that you may not want to play everything at once. It's a hard lesson to learn the first time. Yeah, and it's But you learn me... it quickly. No, no, I didn't learn it that quickly. I'm a little slow on the uptake. It took me a while to really get that lesson down because well, I would get so excited about what I want to do next. And to be then... fair, sometimes you just got to go for it. And, like, if they have it, they have it. What balls are you going to do? Balls. Well, it is... I mean, it's true that at some point you can't play with the fear like you can't live in the shadow of these potential things that could hit because now instead of pressuring your opponent, dropping threats on the board and continuing to push them into a corner, you're now giving them breathing room to dr- they have now another turn for free. You didn't take anything away from them. So even though there are a bunch of decks that obviously have performed well, today we're going to focus primarily on Tyrus. So we're going to start with Tyrus and hopefully get to the other two, but see how this discussion goes. So as mentioned, the basic idea is your hero's already a demon. Unholy Power gives all your demons plus three, plus three. So not only does Tyrus get three attack automatically, which is static, which is important when your opponent attacks in, he also gets three health, which is non-trivial, because going from 28 to 31 health, or if you get duplicates they stack so 34 37. and then he just keeps growing and growing and growing and it matters because people forget i mean i know i forget and i play the deck but there's a in addition to all the those crazy tools and the silliness of playing a jade fire scout that's a six five or a dread steed although it can't attack but it has eight health which is kind of silly you still get access to all the standard warlock tools such as miniature voodoo mask Banished to the Nether, or everyone's favorite, Miss Hezriana. She's pretty important, at least from what I've heard. Yeah, she does. She does pretty good. I think we should also real quick mention that this is Jim Fleckenstein, Fleckenstein's version of this deck. At least the one we're looking at. As mentioned, there are a couple others. There are. Um, I think the one that we play the most though happens to be Jim's. Yes. No, his no? is th- okay. again. His is different. His actually is the Curse of Midnight oh, the version. Curse of Midnight, there it is. Now the other one by Matt Kuklinka. Sure. I, man, I, we should just go with first names because I'm gonna feel Matt. Bad. Matt, you have yeah. a cool deck. So Matt, your your build was more discard focused. So he's running Drain Will. I have Killrog, Lessons of the Nether, all of them, and Commander Wolfock. and Victor. Wow, <laughs> I missed Victimize the first time when we were going through the show notes beforehand. And, on top of all that, Jadefire Hellcaller. But really all you need is Commander Ulthok, because he's my favorite card. <laughs> At least my favorite artwork of a card. Yeah, that should have been a playmat. That would have been an awesome playmat. A poster or something. We digress. Anyway, point is, is that there's a lot of different takes on this. 
Personally, again, we prefer the more aggressive build. So we're running more high-velocity things. So Jade Fire Scouts, as mentioned, which... And boosting them as much as possible. Yeah, you, and that's not to say that that is the correct version. And depending on what the meta shakes out to be, if there's a ton more aggressive decks, maybe you want to play one that runs more sweepers, which is of note because a common sweeper is Fell Blaze, deals two damage to all non-demons. Yeah, Fell Blaze is my nightmare. So that's something to keep in mind, all you uh, potential Warlock players out there. There's a lot of Tyrus, or there's the potential for a lot of Tyrus, because this is a very strong and customizable deck. So if you don't like net decking, who cares? You could still play it and make it yours. Because there's, I saw a version last year at Gen Con that was heavy discard running Voidfire Wand. The one that if you hit somebody, they skip drawing their cards. So if they have no cards in hand, they can't draw a card. Guess what? they got to win with what they have in play. Not always the easiest thing. With that one, though, you can still use quests, correct? Yes. Okay. So they're not 100% locked out, but you can certainly put them in a super bad spot. Yeah, I think the one came out and I just quested. Yeah. So you can build these a number of different ways, but I still think that this is the gold standard you need to be able to deal with Unholy Power on turn four. Because if you can't, you're just going to get smashed around by giant demons. It's just going to happen. At the end of the day, no matter which build you go with, and there there is some overlap, the primary overlap is Unholy Power itself. So one nice thing about Tyrus, um, in addition to the aggression he can provide it he also has tools depending on the disrupt in discard quest disruption um, he has flexibility in removal for all kinds of permanence it leads to a great uh, confluence of options in build variety and for the chance to adjust on the fly when in a game and that's also in addition to just playing straight up powerful cards that can stand on their own all this lets you pressure control decks without giving up much against aggro. In fact, speaking as someone who plays it against Wagmara a lot, you don't give it much anything against aggro. Um, you're immune to many of the drawbacks of older and some of the newer warlocks, and this still reaps all the benefits of being a warlock. So now we're getting a little bit farther along, so I think we're going to probably call it there, wife. Yeah, we could discuss this for days and days, and we probably will discuss this throughout some of the next podcasts. Yeah, like we were saying before, we do want to try and go through these. We'll try and get the deck list up on the website, and hopefully you guys will leave some comments, shoot us an email, or just generally create some discussion in the Facebook group. I, I hope everyone out there is as excited as we are to get back at Gen Con, start shuffling some cards and slinging spells and smashing allies and all that fun stuff. So there's no off-topic this week unless you want to hear me rave about Beauty and the Beast for about 45 minutes to an hour, which I think I'll leave for another day. But I suggest any fans of the Disney movie to go ahead and see it because it was pretty fabulous. Hi everyone. If you like the show, 
And if you want to see some of our deck lists written out or some of our other thoughts about the game, please visit us at our website, randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. Again, that's randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. And you can also email us at randomsthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you soon.